Welcome to the Grace Church Conversations podcast, a weekly resource to help you apply Sunday to Monday. I'm Jared. And I'm Craig. And here we are again. Here we are. What a pleasure it is. It's great to be with you. How are you? And you are still, you've not, your wife has not had a baby. She has not had a baby. I have not had well, a baby. That, and I'm glad to hear. But, yes. uh, but la- <laughs> basically, we closed the last podcast with you saying this may not be happening next week. Yeah. Because you could be on paternity leave. That's right. But From uh, the podcast. Yeah, from the podcast, yeah. yes. Uh, so. So Sarah's hanging in there. She is. She is. Yeah, she is ready. Uh, and there's a, it just feels very suspenseful. It feels like things are on hold. Anything can even, happen. Yeah. And even I'm at work just feeling very distracted. Like, ah, yeah, what's sure. you know, so it's just a weird yeah. feeling. It's it, a weird time. Yeah. So. Well, we, uh, I have prayed for you. We will pray for you. If you're listening to this, pray for Jared and Sarah, who Thank by you. the time you hear this, could their baby could be born or within the, next, within the next week. Yeah. So, um, yeah, actually, that's what we were just talking about is next week is we're definitely gonna have a baby by uh, next Tuesday because right. uh, that's the induction date. So uh, we're going to try and record next week, if not Tuesday, maybe early, yeah, right? Yeah, we'll, we'll try to, we'll try to give the people what they want. Yeah. That I would mean, be, that would be a year yeah, off. They don't, <laughs> not two weeks off. Give them well, what they want. I thought you were want. implying that people don't care about babies or anything. They no. just want their podcast. No, 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 no. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that'll be, that'll be good. Um, so we're, we're, we will, we're celebrating with you already and eager and, um, and just praying the baby comes oh, quickly and yes. is healthy and goes well for yeah. Sarah. And so we thank you for that. We're into Jonah. Yes, we are. Hey, I, you paid me a high compliment. It was very high. Before we got started, <laughs> you started by saying very meaningful. I was almost tearing up. Hey, that was a really powerful intro sermon. And I like when you do sermons, introing books, you said they're, they're like some of your best sermons. So if all your series, you said, could mm-hmm. be two week, two week series, two sermon mm-hmm. series, yeah. then half your sermons would be really good. Exactly. Yeah. That, that meant a lot. <laughs> that really meant a lot. So I, man, I do a great intro, but then like after that, we are downhill. I'm so, so glad sometimes that. I preached on John for a year. If I would have known that like 51 of the sermons stunk. Yeah. One of them was really good, but, but 51 of them was a waste of everybody's time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know what people say is, is God can strike a straight line with a crooked stick. That's so, ex- well, so even well if you, pre- you preach one sermon that's really powerful and then the rest are just kind of mediocre, <laughs> yes, it's okay. It is God's okay. still going to use it. He can still use it. If he can, <laughs> he used a donkey. I am so, so thankful that yeah. we can joke around yeah, yeah. and you know, uh, I'm not of being course, serious. I just love that though. I love your <laughs> intro, but I, I, I like that. You say, I really love the intro, but then you just came right back with but those are some of your best, but after that. <laughs> no, seriously though, I, I was serious when I was uh, saying that. I, I really enjoy uh, just the introduction mm. uh, sermons that you do when you're just kind of overviewing sure. and kind of casting vision for the whole book. And that was exciting for Jonah. Uh, you did that for Nehemiah. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I mean, you've done that for, for sure. everything that, you know, sure. kind of giving an idea of where we're headed, why we're doing this, what the, the major themes are. And sure. I just find that super interesting. And I feel like, I know we, you were you were mentioning this a little bit of feeling like uh, sometimes it can almost feel like you're giving a lecture or, right, or like a, a Bible class. study. Yeah, it's a Bible study an versus. Overview. Yeah. But I, I found that like I, I think you do a really good job of staying balanced. Of here's the information that's mm. pertinent to this to prepare you for where we're going in this series, but then also just providing a lot of application. I think that's where oh, that, well, where we you. landed of just your just the whole push as a church towards public faith. I yeah. think it's really helpful of thinking towards who uh, mercy to them. Yes, yeah. mercy to them. Um, and I. I think it's definitely a topic that's resonated with everyone considering mm. we got 
many, many questions oh, this time. And that's not to say you weren't clear, but I think there's a lot of questions attached to such a, you know, such an important topic for sure. So, oh, well, thanks. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks for the encouragement. Those are harder messages to me, for me to think through. It's easier for me to just do a little section and, and let's, uh, you know, open it up and, and apply it. Sometimes doing an overview of a book, I find harder, but I, th- I think it's, um, for the reason you just said, I think it gives a direction and then we're uh, able to take the larger idea. Cause I think most books, of the Bible all have a, you know, a, a general thematic idea mm-hmm. uh, to them. And, uh, so then we're able to say, okay, what is that big picture and how does it apply to us? And then we can visit it each yeah. week as we go through. Um, so, so each sermon's kind of tied to the big picture overall. So yeah. hopefully we'll be able to, hopefully we'll be able to do that, but Hey, we got a number of questions. We do. Let's do it. All right. Well, uh, as a reminder to you guys, listeners, uh, if you have sermon related questions, you want to text in and have answered here, you can text them to 469-573-2920. It's anonymous and we do our best to answer them here. Let's jump in uh, with question one. Do you think Jonah ever thought his life would be in danger uh, being sent to an enemy land? Well, I do think so. I didn't talk about that Sunday, um, but I do think that that could be a big part of the issue that he runs the opposite direction with the calling. Um, the reason I didn't emphasize it is because in chapter four, it's not the stated reason. The stated reason in chapter four is that, uh, God, I knew you'd be compassionate and that's why I didn't want to come do this Mm. because these are our enemies. Um, so that's the very clear stated, but however, you know, however he's human and it was probably a significant contributing factor that to go to Nineveh, you know, one author said it like this, that I read that, uh, for a Hebrew prophet to go and preach repentance in Nineveh would be like a Jewish rabbi standing on a street corner in Germany in 1941 and calling the Nazis to repent. Mm. He was saying you, you wouldn't expect that that guy would last very long. Yeah. That rabbi would last very long. Yeah. You're coming to, you, you are the enemy uh, to the Nazis. You're the enemy. You're calling them to repent. You're done. And so he was saying in a very similar way, that's probably the, what the, the, he would assume is his fate is okay. It's going to be over for me. Yeah. But on the other hand, God's going to probably be merciful. So it may, you know, it may have been a mixed, a mixed thing, but certainly physical safety, uh, I'm sure was part of it. So this is a good question. Yeah. That's interesting. All right. Here's the next question. Is it possible to escape away from the presence of the Lord? Like in Jonah 1, 3, that's where it says, uh, but Jonah rose to flee to Tarshish from the presence of the Lord. This person asks, uh, if God is omnipresent, this seems contradictory. Well, certainly that's a good observation uh, from the, uh, uh, I was going to say from our listener, but uh, from the person On in our Sunday church. They were. Yeah, I guess they were a listener then, really, <laughs> from our congregant or yeah. whatever, our, our attendee, I don't know, our friend. Um, yeah, I, very true. Um, we can't escape the presence of the Lord. One of the ideas I, I've recommended, I can't remember if I did Sunday, but I've recommended um, the ESV study Bible, um, which has notes. If you're going to read a study Bible, some people don't want to use one, and I get that because it can be, I just want, to look at the scripture. I don't want all the notes and explanations because the scripture's authoritative. The Somebody's commentary isn't. Yeah. So some people don't like to have that kind of on the same page or whatever. Right? It doesn't bother me. I, I like the ES, and I like the ESV study Bible. And 
Um, like all works like that, it's not totally even. Any reader would go, hey, I think I like some notes better than maybe others. I like the Jonah notes. I think the notes in the book of Jonah are particularly good. And one mm. of the things they talk about in there is that many people have talked about uh, Jonah. Uh, it, it's clearly historical, but uh, as a satirical book, because a satire shows the foolishness of a person. It makes a point by uh, showing somebody's actions to be humorous, mm. comical, and foolish. And so the foolishness of Jonah's plan um, makes the very point that this person does. The fact that it says, hey, I'm going to run away from the presence of God. And he actually tells the sailors that. We'll see that this Sunday, that he's running from the Lord, the Lord's mm. presence. Um, and the word presence there means face, by the way. So like uh, before the face of God. So he's running from the face of God, the present, you know, being in the presence, being in it with his, his face upon us. Yeah. Um, it, it is, it, in, a, in a satirical work, there's a number of times where Jonah is, does stuff that is foolish, crying over a plant when a whole city <laughs> has just repented, you know? So he does things and it makes, but those foolish things are highlighted to make a point. And the point is what this person says, God is omnipresent, you can't escape his presence. And a, a biblical verse for that would be, you know, uh, Psalm 139, where the psalmist says, where shall I go from your spirit or where, where shall I flee from your presence? If I ascend to heaven, you are there. If I make my bed in Sheol, you are there. So it's taking two opposite extremes, Sheol and heaven. And the implication is everything in between God's yeah. presence. You can't be get away from his presence. So it, it, it's painted that way, not because it's possible, but because it's foolish. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that about the book of Jonah, almost in some ways showing like uh, maybe showcasing the foolishness of yeah. Jonah. Um, would you, this is just an off the cuff question, sure. so you can sure. choose to pass, but, uh, are there other, uh, places in the Bible where it specifically, uh, showcases the foolishness of like a prophet of Israel? Uh, cause it seems really uncharacteristic. You would think of a Very prophet of Israel being a, someone who, you know, walks in the wisdom of the yeah. Lord, uh, walks in the fear of the Lord, not the fear of men. Yeah. Uh, who, I, I mean, cause some of the things we talked about, Jonah just seems so self-absorbed with his situation. With, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I've, yeah, and I don't want to be, I, I felt like I was a little, I was a walk in a line Sunday because I do feel like I was being critical of him. I think we're shown his weakness. Mm. And I think part of seeing his weakness, which you're making a good point, you always see in narrative figures in the Old Testament, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, you all see their David, you see their humanity and weakness. In the prophets, you don't get that much of a picture. They're delivering an oracle from God and you don't sort of get their story as much. But where you do, think about a guy like Elijah, mm. um, it's, there's nothing satirical about the story of Elijah, but you do see, you know, where he feels all alone and he's there that you see his weakness in humanity where he's depressed, where he is, um, you know, isolated, where mm -hmm. he is separated. I think you see a sense of, um, his own humanity, yeah. uh, certainly in that, but I don't think you see another prophet that's functioning quite like, uh, Jonah, but I, that just makes a great, um, set up for us to say, well, where is a faithful and perfect yeah. true prophet? It points us to Christ yeah. by, by his weakness. Yeah, we look for, well, right. th as do the King sometimes, you know, mm -hmm. you say, well, there's a really bad King and it makes us long for a perfect King, yeah. a glorious King, a great a King who represents God. Yep. And so prophet, priest, King, all of those, mm -hmm. I think you can see a, a point to Christ ultimately, but yeah. yeah, it's a good question. I think Joan is unique in that way though. Well, that's good. It's interesting. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Um, Okay, Jesus displays perfect justice and mercy on the cross. Is there justice in Jonah? Um, 
that uh, that's, that's a, great, a question. great question. Yeah, and and we got another question that's very similar, just kind of pointing out the fact that you know we even at church we we preach mercy and grace. Yeah. Um, I mean we're called Grace Church. Yeah, so, right. Um, so it's important to the message, but also like there is that question of okay, we know God is gracious, we know God is merciful, but we also also God is just. So. Mm-hmm. How does that work out in the story of Jonah? Yeah, I love that. I love all these questions. We got really good questions this week. We always get good questions, mm-hmm. but the, we got really good questions this week where the this idea of, is there justice in the book of Jonah? And I love the person's question because they're saying, it's it's great to say that Jesus is mercy and, uh, you know, is uh, you see perfect justice and mercy in him and that you see in God's character uh, as perfect justice and mercy. Okay. Yeah. We see that. S- but do we see that in this whole story? It, it appears absent here. In other words, it appears one-sided. Are there some yeah. parts of the Bible that are just judgment and some, so I, I love that question. And, uh, is there justice in Jonah? I'm, my answer is ultimately yes. I would say we don't see it right here in this story, but if you read, uh, the, the prophet Nahum, for instance. So if you go and uh, read uh, there, you, you will see that it is a prophecy about God's wrath against Assyria. So there's perfect justice and perfect mercy against Nineveh itself in the prophets. Um, it's just, we, I didn't get into that Sunday because we weren't preaching uh, Nahum, Nahum. I, you know, I, I was asking you ahead of time, is it Nahum or Nahum? Well, Nahum we sounds agreed. more educated. Yeah, it sounds uh, like scholarly. Hebrew. Like, you know, he Hebrew. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I na- like that. then Nahum. Maybe the add way. like a ch in yeah, there. Yeah, Nahum. Nahum, yeah. Nahum. <laughs> Wipe your mic off of there. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> Nahum. Um, so at any rate, uh, so there we see the a prophecy against Assyria, that Assyria will fall. It happened in uh, 612 BC is when Assyria actually was, ceased to be a nation, it fell. It's Mm -hmm. modern day, I think modern day Iraq is where Assyria was. So, Mm -hmm. um, so they were, they were vanquished, but that 612 BC is, you know, a hundred plus years after um, Jonah is alive. We don't know exactly when Jonah was written, but we know when he was alive. So th- there's a gap there um, between his life and the destruction of Nineveh. So if you read, um, and I would recommend this, and again, I, I'm not, I get no commission, but the ESV study note, uh, study Bible notes are good <laughs> on Nahum as well. Uh, but if you see, they, they really do. There is justice and they, they're used as a tool to judge God's people, actually, mm-hmm. they destroy the, uh, they take the northern tribes captive, destroy Samaria, I think in like 721 or something like that. But then they themselves are sacked, uh, mm. you know, 100 years after that or 110 years after that. So at mm. any rate, they do get, they do get what's coming. They do yeah. reap what they so, they've sown. Their repentance, whatever repentance takes place in um, the book of Jonah, it's, it's short lived. Um, God did withhold judgment at that time, but, uh, but ultimately there is uh, judgment that comes. And this is true in the scripture. So the follow-up question or the related, not follow-up, but the related question you mentioned was saying, hey, we hear a lot about God's grace, God's mercy uh, at our church, but mm-hmm. what about God's uh, judgment? Is there justice in the Bible? And mm-hmm. um, this person went on to even ask us, is there a hell? If, if God's merciful, why do people go to hell? And yeah. some of those kinds of things. So those are great. Those are great questions. I'm preaching mercy from the context. Uh, again, if I did an overview of Nahum, the, uh, the, the intro sermon, which you love, would, would, <laughs> well, that's a good one. Yeah. would have been so, <laughs> would have been so different than the intro sermon. It would have been, had a def, different yeah. feel. Yeah. Um, 
but they're both in the Bible. The context in Jonah is it's addressing the attitude of people like Jonah who could only imagine justice for the people of Nineveh. So they look at Nineveh and they can't even fathom mercy for them. They can only mm. think of justice. And so there is justice, but God, God's merciful as well. And the point of uh, Jonah is not to hide the fact that God is just. It's to emphasize that salvation belongs to the Lord. Uh, Jonah 2.9, uh, salvation is from the Lord and he can show mercy to any person he chooses, any group of people he chooses, even though they deserve judgment. Mm -hmm. Um, and so when the, when the, when the warning comes to them, they get to receive a warning, um, from God through Jonah, they Mm -hmm. repent and they receive, uh, mercy. So the scripture teaches us, I I do want to emphasize because someone could be new to our church and go, well, did he preach a very balanced message Sunday? And I would say, uh, I tried to preach what the book's about, but I didn't say everything the Bible says. Yeah. And I, I would want to affirm, yeah, there is there is clearly a coming judgment. Jesus speaks about it uh, as, as, in, as something that is, brings with it an indescribable suffering. Mm-hmm. Um, he, give, he gives warning to us um, through parables and through dis, uh, direct teaching um, about e- eternal judgment. And, um, and ultimately, when we think of judgment and mercy in God, um, when we think of eternity, everyone will either receive justice or mercy. So yeah. some will pay for their own sins because they've rejected God. Some mm-hmm. have received Christ and will receive mercy because mm-hmm. they're in him. They've received his work for them. So some receive justice. Every Okay, everybody deserves judgment. That's yeah. the starting place. Some receive right. ju- justice, which they deserve. Mm-hmm. Some receive mercy which they don't reserve. What no one receives is injustice. And that's the one point I would want to make is you don't see in the Bible there being any sense that anybody will, will complain, will have a, a, a grounds to complain for injustice. Genesis 18, I love this verse, the, the, the judge of all the earth will do right. Or even when you read the book of Revelation at the end and you see when judgment is, you know, a book which shows us the last things in judgment. Mm-hmm. One of the praises of God, <clears throat> I love this, one of the praises of God in Revelation is just and true are your ways, mm-hmm. O God. And so there is this sense where God's ways are just, God's ways are true. Um, and uh, no one will, there's nothing unfair about yeah. the way God acts. And we don't understand all that. I understand how, well, why did these people get mercy and these justice, you know, th- there's, a, I understand the sentiment yeah. <clears throat> that on the surface may not, something may not seem fair to us, yeah. but we just have to look at the whole context of the scripture and say, mm-hmm. ultimately, um, ultimately, uh, God is a just and merciful God. And, um, and, and in the end, and, and so this should create an urgency in us to get the message of mercy to those who are under his judgment, like yeah. Nineveh, like all of us. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's really good. I think that's, I mean, it's super related, obviously, to this idea of mercy to them. There's an us and them kind yeah. of uh, mentality, but we see that in Jonah. And you kind of unpack the reasons why Jonah might feel that way towards Nineveh because yeah, sure. of how terrible, yeah, cruel they you are. know, th- the nation was I mean, even to Israel. Yeah, for sure. Um, and so, you know, you were talking about later in chapter four where, where Jonah says, I didn't want to go because yeah. God, I know you're merciful. I yeah, know yeah, you're, yeah. you know, um, you know, so it's almost, we can start to relate with that quite mm. a bit of just saying, you know, 
reading a book like Jonah, it's easy, kind of like what I was just doing when I was asking questions like, well, Jonah is such a foolish blah, 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 yeah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. But in reality, we're, we all are tempted to be in the same place of saying, look at what has been done to me or my people yeah. or, you know, my way. You are yeah. unpacking that. Our yeah. way of yeah. uh, our religion, our, faith our, faith, our faith, our values, exactly. And, uh, and we don't want mercy on them. Yeah. We, we, like Jonah, uh, we want to see God mm. be just in maybe the most uh, scary way. Yeah. Uh, not, the, not the beauty of the, cry, the cross. Uh, we don't want to see God be merciful to, to those who have wronged us. Yeah, um, that's right. So it's just interesting. I don't know. I, I think about that a lot in our temptation, especially after Sunday of just thinking of like, who is the them in my yeah. heart? You know, because in reality, like you were just saying, I'm right there with them. Absolutely. I, the only reason why I'm acting all self-righteous is yeah. because I've received mercy. And then I think I'm tempted to think it's something I did or yeah. somehow I'm better. But in reality, I deserve the same, Absolutely. you know, the same justice that I'm demanding God dish out on them. Absolutely. I love that <clears throat> verse, what Paul says in first Corinthians four, where he says to the Corinthians, what do you have that you did not receive? Mm -hmm. And if you did receive it, why do you boast? I can't quote it exactly the, the next point, but why do you boast is if you, basically if you didn't, it, if, if you have nothing apart from the grace of God. And yeah. so there is no room for us to, um, you know, there, there is no room for us to act like there's anything uniquely, uh, inherently more valuable in us than anyone else. We're yeah. all in need of mercy. And, uh, I think seeing that breaks down the us and them. Yeah. So, yeah. yeah. Great. Well, let's keep going. We got a few more questions. Uh, here's the next one. This is a good one. How do we prep? Well, they're all good. Don't yep. take offense. People. Don't show favors. <laughs> Don't show favoritism. All right. This one is just as equally as good as the rest. <laughs> Which are all excellent. Did we all mention excellent. that? They're yes. all perfect. Yeah, yeah. How do we practically love and show God's mercy to whomever our them is without condoning their behavior if they are truly sinning against God with their lifestyle or actions? Much more to come on this one. I'd, I'd like to talk about this in some ways this whole year. At various points, I'm going to mm -hmm. talk about this. So this is a really great question. How... And I understand, um, I understand the feeling behind this, the, the, the sentiment, um, you know, how do we show mercy to someone without condoning their behavior? And I love this line, if they are truly sinning against God with their lifestyle or actions, um, I think it starts with recognizing this, everyone is truly sinning against God with their lifestyle or actions. Mm -hmm. I think that's really the starting place is that, you know, one of the challenges for us as Christians, I'm not critiquing this person who asked the question because this, I think this same thing, this, sure. I'm going to yeah. act like this is my question because I, I want to push back a little bit, but I don't want this person to feel like um, that I'm critiquing you, whoever wrote this in. Um, but I do want to push back on the, the idea behind the question because I think uh, this, is, this gets to the heart of the concern uh, that I have for myself and for us. One of the challenges we, we face is that we have a selective list of sins that lead us to believe that some people like are going to need more mercy or more grace mm. uh, for their sin than we do. So when we say things like, you know, I want to show mercy to them, but I, I don't want to falsely communicate that their lifestyle's okay. Uh, and, and, and this, this, we, we think about this, we talk about this all the time, but mm -hmm. if you were religious in the, in the time of Jesus, 
um, if we lived then, we would have said that the holiest people are the Pharisees. Now, Pharisees have a bad reputation in our day, but that's just because we live this side of the cross and resurrection. We have Jesus's teaching. Yeah. But if we didn't have Jesus's teaching and didn't believe, we would think they're the respected members. They're moral. They're keeping the law. Mm -hmm. They did everything right. Yet Jesus says, these people of Nineveh will be better off than you, basically, is what he says yeah. in the judgment, because they responded. So we tend to say, hey, I don't want, we, we would look at a religious person like the Pharisees and say, well, if I'm with them, am I condoning their behavior? We would never, we would never think of that. We, we can love people without affirming or condoning their behavior. Uh, and we do this all the time. I thought about a, a hypothetical situation with if I'm relating this person and showing them love and mercy and acceptance, am I condoning their behavior? Think, think of uh, inviting a non-Christian, an unbeliever for dinner. Um, if I invite a neighbor for dinner and this guy is an upstanding citizen, uh, I'm just going to paint a picture of an imaginary neighbor in Frisco. He's my neighbor. He's upstanding. He's married to one woman. He has two kids. They're both on the honor roll. They play select soccer. They're great kids. Uh, he has a great job. Uh, he's a moral guy. He volunteers in the community, yet he isn't, believe, isn't a believer. Mm -hmm. If I had him over for dinner, no one would say to me, that my love for him is condoning his rebellion against God. Yet he's an absolute rebel against God if he's not a Christian. He's mm -hmm. just a clean from 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 the from my point of view, he's just he doesn't he, he doesn't fit there's not he's not giving into selective kinds of sins. He's giving into respectable sins. Mm -hmm. But no one would say, "Hey, you're condoning his uh, behavior." But if let's say I had a couple over, they're not married, uh, they're sleeping together and they're living together. Mm. Then someone might say, well, the fact you had them for dinner, did you bring that up? I mean, you're showing mercy to them. Are you condoning an illicit sexual relationship? Or if I have a gay couple over mm -hmm. and they're not Christians, I say, uh, just like the other couple wasn't a Christian, just like the first guy wasn't a Christian. And we have them for dinner. Oh, okay. And I, I show mercy to them, hospitality, love them like we loved all the other guests, like we love you and Sarah, if we had you over. Mm. If I show them mercy... Um, then, you know, uh, somehow I'm condoning their behavior by loving them. Somehow I'm condoning immoral, immoral behavior by showing mercy to the other person. Somehow I'm, uh, but no one would say it in category one. And I think I'm not speaking to the questioner, but I think this is Phariseeism because mm. it's exactly what happened. They're mad at Jesus because he ate and drank with tax collectors and prostitutes, yet he never condoned their behavior. Mm -hmm. So how do we show mercy? This was the question. How do we show mercy without condoning behavior? I, I think we recognize that we all have bad, sinful behavior and we love uh, freely um, and, and show grace freely to others. And we realize that to become a Christian, we all have to turn from sin. Mm -hmm. We all have to believe in the work of Jesus. And there's no one who doesn't need to die to themselves and turn from their sin from their own life. So we love people. We pray for them. We trust the Holy Spirit to open up their heart to the gospel. And when we have an opportunity to speak to them of Christ, we point them to Jesus. Uh, we call them to repent and believe. That's what the scripture says, repent and believe. And it's costly for everyone. Uh, coming to Christ should be as costly for all three people I gave in that scenario. There's mm -hmm. not like, it's, oh, for some people, it's not that costly. Oh, you're, right. a, an, unbelie you're an unbelie unregenerate church attender. It's not going to be very costly for you but you're sleeping with your girlfriend, it's going to be really costly for you. It, it's mm. co if, if we don't think it's costly to repent, then we don't understand the gospel. Mm. And uh, so 
I think the idea of condoning behavior of unbelievers, uh, this is different. If it's someone in the church, I do think we can condone behavior without confronting people sometimes. So I think if someone's a Christian, I think it's a different topic, Mm -hmm. but if we're showing, but that's not the question, because we're talking about, we're talking about Assyrians here. So if we're showing mercy to them, um, the reason I think that he wasn't condoning their behavior is when he preached the message to them, he said, God's going to judge you, but there's mercy available. So whether you are the by our culture standards or by the church's standards, by typical evangelicalism standards, if, you know, no one's, uh, if you're the kind of person that appears to meet most of the rules in the church, but we just got to push you over, you you need a little (laughs) bit of help, but you're mostly there, that's not the gospel. And so I think to me, that's a big thing. How do we, you know, those whose lifestyle choices are sinful, I've never met someone whose lifestyle choices aren't sinful. Mm. Um, they may be respectable, culturally respectably sinful. Yeah. They may be church respectably sinful, mm. but the people that get slammed the hardest are the church. It, it, it's the it's the Pharisees are the ones. Uh, Jesus is never worried about condoning anybody's beha- behavior by being with them, by showing them mercy and love. And so he's called a drunken, yeah. a drunkard, a drunken. He's called a drunkard and a glutton. Why? Because he freely uh, relates with love and mercy to broken, sinful people. He does call them to repent. Mm-hmm. He does call Pharisees to repent. He does call tax collectors and um, uh, prostitutes to repent. Yeah. Um, so to me, that's one of the, the uh, I, I think for most of us as Christians, the idea that we're going to be out condoning people's behavior because we show mercy and love them, I, I don't think that's usually the problem. Yeah. I may misunderstood where they're coming from, but it's a great question. Yeah, that was a really helpful answer too. All right. Uh, here's the next one. I have a historical question about Jonah. Was he the only prophet that fled from the presence of God and God's calling to him? Yeah. My question on this one is, I don't know. I don't remember another prophet who did this. I do remember King Saul being anointed for king and he he was hiding in the, I think the word was the baggage. He was hiding in the baggage. They had to go, can somebody go find Saul? He was afraid, <laughs> I guess. But I don't know any, so I, he was kind of running from the anointing of, as king. But uh, I don't know of another prophet doing this, but I could be wrong. I just don't remember one. Hey, do so uh, <laughs> I, I, I don't. I don't think so. I think it's unique. I think yeah. Jonah's unique. Yeah, for sure. Really, um, yeah, helpful. All right. Uh, Here's the last one. Uh, I see a parallel with Jonah and the Apostle Paul. It looks like Jonah and Paul had very similar experiences with Jonah trying to flee from God while Paul, on the other hand, was running to God. Is this so that we can see that God calls us where we are no matter whether we try to run to him or away from him? Yeah. So I see some similarity and some significant differences. So the similarity is what the person's asking here, I think, is... Um, hey, God reached Jonah where he was and told him, I want you to go across boundaries uh, to the Assyrians. Mm-hmm. Uh, Paul's persecuting Christians. God reaches him where he is and ultimately says to him, I want you to go reach Gentiles, which was the same thing, a far, you know, a, a crazy idea for a, for a Hebrew, yeah. uh, crazy idea for, uh, you know, a, a prophet or in Paul's case, a, a, a rabbi teacher, you know. So, um so there's, there is some similarity there. I think there's probably more of a contrast though. Jonah does not welcome the idea of mercy to Gentiles, whereas Paul is willing to be 
persecuted and, you know, is willing to go through all kinds of suffering to get the gospel to Gentiles. His whole, his whole apostolic mission is to the Gentiles. So they couldn't be more different in terms of how they ultimately respond. Uh, though Jonah, Jonah does go to Nineveh. I don't don't want to ignore that. He does go. Uh, so I, I think there's a similarity in that God calls them, uh, to go, on a mind blowing mission, but I think their (laughs) response is, uh, much different. And I do think no matter where we are, we do have an opportunity, each of us to run, uh, Mm -hmm. to the Lord and to others or to run away from them. And back to the the question that I gave a very long answer to earlier. I mean, back to that, I think God calls us to show mercy to the thems in our life, as the person said. And I think that's going to be uh, I, I think for some of us, that's a real challenge. It, it yeah. may not be like going to, to Nineveh and maybe dying, but it, it could cause us to feel awkward. It could cause us to feel vulnerable. Like we might be in a context where we're asked questions we feel like we can't answer or our faith is challenged and we don't know if we can fully, we don't want to get into an argument or, you know, so there, sometimes we just avoid the thems mm-hmm. uh, rather than showing mercy to them. And uh, so I just think it's so helpful to remember, yeah. um, you know, God has shown that mercy to us. And so he's shown it to us for a purpose. He's given it that we may, um, that we may, um, you know, share with others. And I think the point I tried to make on Sunday at one point in one of the sermons was, I don't know if I said it in both, but ultimately I think we're going to break down the wall of them altogether. And it's us. We need a savior. Mm -hmm. We need mercy and we deserve judgment. But, uh, but we have forgiveness in Christ. And so if I can begin to see, and let's just acknowledge this as Christians, everybody has this problem, but let's talk to us. Let's just acknowledge it's just very easy for us to judge certain people, certain religions, certain sins, certain lifestyles, and put them in the then category. And the sooner we're able to say uh, all the ground is level at the cross Mm -hmm. um, and, you know, there aren't levels of dead. You're spiritually dead and you need spiritual life. You're spiritually in rebellion and you need to be uh, reconciled. Mm-hmm. Everybody is running from God. We need him to reconcile us, yeah. us to him. I think the sooner we can begin to think that way, talk that way, um, then the, the better, uh, the more fruitful we're gonna be in, in yeah. uh, fulfilling God's purposes for our lives, uh, yeah. what he's called us to, that yeah. which the question is about what is he called, you know, how do we respond? When mm-hmm. he so hopefully, Hopefully that serves. Yeah. Well, that's great, man. Thank you so much for uh, walking through these questions you bet, and, and great giving questions. us some answers. Yeah. Really good questions this week. So, Hey, did I not sound quite as excitable as last week? Cause I, I didn't uh, have <laughs> caffeine, but I was, it was pointed out to me that I was almost giddy with excitement to be back and a little bit, a l- little bit loosey goosey. So I don't know. It was a special time last week. It I'd was. Say. Yeah, okay. it was, it was special. That's very nice. It, yes. I didn't drink caffeine or anything <laughs> else, but it sounded like I drank one of those things. <laughs> so anyway, I'm oh hopefully a little more measured. That's today. so funny. No, no, no. Great. It was great last week. It was great again this time. Thank you so Thanks much for, for that your time. And I was uh, feeling insecure. So thank I you. I know. Yeah. Well, after what I said about your preaching. <laughs> I love that. I love to be mocked like that. I enjoy that. It means we're friends. I love being friends. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks friend. Well, cool. Um, 
I don't think we have anything other than this. So Tim tells us that we're going to be moving the Conversations podcast to a new podcast feed in the next couple weeks. So we'll make sure that you, our listeners, have the have the details on that. But all it means is that you will have a new podcast that you'll have to subscribe to on your device. It won't just pop up in the same uh, like Sunday morning sermons podcast that it has been for the last year. So, uh, but yeah, we'll get you the we're details going on off that. On our own, it's yeah. Kinda- Tim's cutting us. Loose. The bird, he, the he trusts baby us. Bird is kicking, <laughs> wow, or they, he just didn't want to associate this with the church's sermons. That, with, it with, could be that. I'm not sure. <laughs> so uh, yeah, but that's exciting. So it seems like uh, we're. I think today is what episode 34 that know. we've done. I guess so, so. But we're going off on our own. We're not. Yeah. So it's enough that Tim has, has, we've proven to Tim that we want to keep doing this long term. Great. So. Okay, let's do it. All right. Well, we'll see you guys again next week. Thanks again, Craig, for your time. Yeah, thanks, and, uh, Yeah, we'll play it by ear, I guess, the next couple of weeks. Very so good. We'll see you guys later. Bye-bye.